Testing one, two, three, test, 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 test. There it is, there it is, there it is. Okay, hey, welcome to church, everybody. We're glad you're here tonight, amen, yes? Hey, we're excited because we're welcoming our Modesto church. I, I see you on my camera right now. I appreciate so much you guys being faithful. I, you got a camera on me, but I got a camera on you as well. And so pray, give, me a, give me a wave, Modesto, so I can see you. I see you waving at me back there. Look at Everett, both hands lifted high. Hey, I'm so glad you guys are with us. Also wanna give a welcome to our online campus. And starting, starting with this gathering, this is the soft launch for our Decula, Georgia campus that begins today on Sunday. So we're so very, 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 very proud of them for their soft launch. And the launch of that campus actually begins next, next Sunday. So we're so excited and we welcome the launch team and everybody that's joined us there. Well, I'm jazzed to get with you. I've been at my doctoral residency for the last couple of weeks where I'm studying to uh, learn more and to grow more in my faith. I got a text from somebody here. I won't say who it was. They're like, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still with you. I just gone for a couple weeks, so thank you. And you were left in great hands with Pastor Tasha and Pastor Trinity. Uh, phenomenal job, uh, amazing gathering two weeks ago as we talked about Lazarus. And, what, and then last week, creative worship was just powerful. Last time in this series, which we're concluding today, called God, Are You There? We talked about, as I mentioned just a moment ago, Lazarus, and it seemed that God was late. The good news is that God actually did what Mary and Martha hoped that he would do. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus lived, somebody say amen. And it was a celebration. God just seemed to be late. This is not that message. This is not that upper of a message. This is different. This is the conclusion of God, are you there? And this is where we get very, very real with you tonight, with all of our campuses tonight. Today's message, we're gonna look at what do you do when God seems to be uncooperative with you, when we know that God could do something And we believe that God will do something, but when God does not. What do you do when God seems uncooperative? What do you do when you're a really sincere follower of Jesus Christ and you believe God could answer your prayer, but God does not answer your prayer in the way that you want him to? Today, I want to look at the story of the Apostle Paul, just one of his stories uh, from the New Testament. So if you've got your Bible, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be hanging out today. Modesto, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Take it out, open it up on your device. Decula, take it out, open it up on your device. If you're online, I can't see you, but I'm trusting you're opening it up on your device and not just looking at the words on the screen because it's important that we get into our Bibles as well. As we're looking at the life of Apostle Paul, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, I really want to bring to you today three truths that I think will help us. So if you're taking notes, let's start with truth number one. Prayer isn't about getting our way, but it's often about surrendering our will. We'll leave that up for a second. Prayer isn't about getting our way, but it's often about surrendering our will. It's not just about getting to God, God to do what I want him to do, but it's oftentimes about surrendering my will to what God actually wants. Some people are going to push back on this a little bit, and I'm okay with that. I I like a hearty debate. You need to remember, this is exactly how Jesus prayed in the garden the night before he went to the cross. Father, if there's any way you can take this 
cup of suffering from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. True prayer isn't just about getting God to do what we want him to do. It's often surrendering to God our will of what he wants to happen in and through us. Now, if there's anyone who deserved, in my opinion, in the entire Bible, answered prayer, it would be the Apostle Paul, I I, I think anyway. A little bit of his backstory. Uh, Maybe you weren't raised in church or maybe you forgot. Uh, Paul started off hating Christians. He even despised Christians so much that he hunted them down and he had them executed and killed. And then he had this miraculous like conversion experience on this road toward uh, an area region called Damascus where God visited him and his whole life changed. He went from hating Christians to being one of the most effective followers of Jesus Christ that the world has ever seen. He was so passionate for Jesus that he wrote under the anointing and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God most of the New Testament that we read today. Essentially, he traveled for about 20 years on a ship. I mean, the guy was a missionary to the core and he took the gospel to so many different places in the world. He was even responsible for taking the gospel to Europe. Paul was amazingly bold in his faith and he had all these visions. He, he was used by God to heal people, to deliver people. He even raised people from the dead. But Paul paid an incredible price for his faithfulness. Paul was stoned for his faith. He was stoned, not like recreationally speaking. He was like really stoned, like, like they threw stones at him. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. He was beaten with rods. He was left for dead. He was imprisoned many times. Five times he was whipped. When you were whipped in those days, you were whipped up to 39 times. Now, it was against the law uh, to whip somebody 40 times. If they died and you had whipped them 40 times, you were guilty of murder. But if they died and you only whipped them 39 times, well, so be it. Five times, if I do my math correctly, that is, I did the math on here, 195 whips he got. Can you imagine after the 39, the first time, and it, the blood and everything, and, and it scars up, and then he gets it again, and then again, and then again, and then again, five times. This guy endured more than we can even imagine for the sake of the gospel. And so you say, well, Troy, what was his reward? Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse number seven to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment, to torment me. (laughs) That's a challenging text. This is your reward. God allows Satan to bring something into his life. God doesn't just allow it, but God uses it. He uses it to keep Paul from becoming conceited. Now, what's the thorn? I don't know. And you don't know either. We've heard it said that there's so many scholars that have their guesses out there, but we do know that Paul was agonizing. He was being tormented. Many scholars believe it could have been a physical ailment. Maybe some say, well, like opposition. It could have been migraine headaches. Some of you experienced those. It could have been malaria. It could have been epilepsy where he had seizures all the time. It could have been a speech impediment. It could have been, some say it's bad eyesight because in Ephesians he talks about he can't see things very well. Whatever it is, we don't know what it is. But this, he, this was given to him. God allowed it. 
It tormented him. But God used it to keep him from becoming conceited. Now, many of you have something in your life, something in your life, a thorn, some issue, some challenge. Uh, Your thorn might be a person. If it's the person sitting next to you, just keep looking straight at me, just right at me, Keep, keep your eyes right here. Maybe it's a boss that's a challenge to you. Maybe, maybe it's a health issue that you prayed and you prayed and you prayed that God would take it away, but he hasn't taken it away yet. Maybe it's depression and you tried all sorts of things and you're still battling and you're still fighting depression. Maybe it's some sleep issue or anxiety issue that you have. It could be that you're praying that God would change a, a circumstance in your life. God, give me uh, reliable transportation so I can get to work or I can get to school or I can get to church or whatever. Whatever it is, you're looking you're like, God, would you please, please, please change this and God isn't changing it. We need to remember that prayer isn't about getting our way. Sometimes it's about surrendering our will. And it's about saying, God, even though I really wish that you would do this and you're not, I'm choosing to trust you in the middle of my situation, in the middle of my storm, in the middle of my trial. Number two, prayer reminds us that we're not in control and it keeps us close to the one who is. Guys, this is, these are bumper stickers. Yeah, sounds great. Until you're in it. Until you're in it. Prayer reminds us, hey, I'm, I'm not the ward of my own life. Prayer reminds me that I can't control all situations. Some of y'all have a real control problem in your life. I get it. Because mm, I are one of those. Prayer reminds me that I'm not in control, but it keeps me close to the very one who is. Let's look at the next verse, verse number eight. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. There's a lot in that. There's a lot to unpack there, guys. When he says three times I pleaded, we're not talking about breakfast, lunch, and supper, and well, I guess he didn't take it away. We're talking about three significant seasons of intentional, focused intercession in prayer. Dear God, please take this away. Please heal the situation. Please, dear God, would you do this for me? This is what Paul was saying. Three seasons, he just begged and he pleaded and he sought after God. Take it away. It hurts so bad. So bad. Some of you might be in a season like that right now. God, save my marriage. Hold it together. Take away this pain. It hurts so bad. I want to work, God. I just need a better job. I got a family. I need benefits. Whatever it is you're praying for, that you're begging God for and pleading God for, that's what... Paul is doing. God, please, I trust you. God, please, I'm seeking you. Please take this away. I'm only asking you to do for me what I've seen you do for others. (laughs) I know you can do this, God, because I've seen you do it before. Can I be next in line? It will dibs. It's my turn now, right? And that's true. 
God was at, or Paul was at the front lines of the miracles. God used Paul over and over again. So of course Paul knows God can do this. Paul begs God, and in verse number nine, but he said to me, done, you're healed. No. He says, my grace is, su- my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect. For my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, God, would you, would you please just do this one thing? I could serve you so much more effectively if you would do just this one thing. God says, nope, not this one. My grace is enough for you. And I'm like, what's that? I've heard it my whole Christian life. What, what, what are you talking about? Sounds good. What, what is that? Is it, isn't grace the, things that, the thing that brings us forgiveness of sins? Is that what we're, is that we're saved by grace? Grace forgives sins? Is, is that what we're talking about? Not exactly. We, we need to understand that grace is so much more than that. In, in fact, the word that's translated grace here, I looked it up and, and here's how it's translated. It's translated the leaning in of God. Soak it in for a second. The, the leaning in of God. It's the, I'm, I'm here for you. It's, it's the, I want to reveal myself to you. It's God is leaning in to show us his presence. And here's what happens. We, we tend to say this, God, this is what I need. And God says, no, that's not what you need. Not in this case. In this case, I am what you need. I am sufficient. I am enough. My grace in this situation is what you need. I am leaning into you. Can you feel my presence? I'm right here, right now, right there with you. It's, it's like God is saying, I could do that. I, I've done it before. And I, I may do something similar later. But in this particular case, in what you're going through right now, you are going to experience me in a way that you could never experience me if I did for you what you wanted me to do. That's what I'm doing for you. It's God leaning in to us. It's something so hard to explain. You just have to experience it. It's like explaining color to somebody who can't see color. It's like trying to explain the sound of the ocean waves to somebody who cannot hear. It's trying to explain the brilliance of a sunset to somebody who cannot see. You, you have to experience it. It's, it's God's grace. How did you make it through this? I don't know. It's just like I got this special grace 
from God? How in the world are you surviving what's going on right now? I don't need, I'm, not even, I'm not even sure. It's like I got a special grace, a dose of grace from God. In, in the, it's the presence of God at this moment that is enough to sustain me. And number three, prayer isn't just asking, but prayer is trusting. It's not just asking God for what you want, but it's trusting that God knows best. Even when it doesn't make sense to you. Now, don't get me wrong. Please don't misunderstand me. We are supposed to ask. James says you have not because you ask not. We need to ask of God. If you come to me and say, I just got a bad diagnosis and it's not looking good and the doctor says it's terminal, it's, it's, it's cancer. We believe that God heals. We believe that God provides. We believe that God does miracles. We're going to pray together. We're going to believe together that God will heal you. But there are going to be times when God says no. And he is God. And we are not. We're going to a whole nother level of faith right now. It's not just asking God, but it's, but it's trusting that God knows what is best. That's what Paul is having to do. And you kind of got to know the audience of who Paul's talking to here. It says a little bit later on, he's talking to what's called the super apostles these were the people that were coming against him, the hobnobs, the, the intellectuals of the day. And they were coming against Paul and all that he had experienced and all that God had accomplished through him. And, and so Paul is dealing with this. And, and when you fast forward years later, which is where Paul is at, Paul's looking back and he experiences this, this he probably still has the thorn. I'm gonna say it again, he probably still has the thorn, Right? My grace is sufficient for you. I can't see you very well, God, or I have seizures, God, or, or I'm, I'm limping, God, or uh, my grace is, my head, it hurts so bad, it's sufficient for you. Amen. Paul's still got the thorn, but he's got a very different perspective on it. He's saying, this thing that tormented me, God actually used it to keep me from becoming conceited. Why? Because God knows me a whole lot better than I know me or certainly that I'm willing to confess about me. Let's check, check it out on verses nine and 10. Reread a little bit of nine and then we'll go on to verse number 10. Check it out. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, (laughs) then I am strong. Hey, because of this, my perspective has changed. I will boast even more gladly even more sincerely about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power, Jesus' power, you want it to rest on you. Boast in the weaknesses. Delight in your weaknesses. He goes on to say, I delight in my insults. (laughs) What? (laughs) I delight in my hardships. 
oh, that's not fair. I delight in my persecutions. I didn't deserve that. I delight in my difficulties. Shouldn't it be easy? I'm serving you, God. Why can he delight in that? Because when I am weak, then I am strong. I delight in these things that I would never choose. Why? Because I experience the presence and power of God in those things. I, I, I know people that whatever they touch seems to turn to gold. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, how, what, what? How is, how is it that you must be living under the, 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 the favor of God everywhere you go? And that's what our Western theology teaches. That's what our culture tries to tell us. That if something, if, you, if we start a church in Decula next Sunday, there better be a packed house or we're failures. And that's a lie. Amen. Amen. That's not the truth. That's not how God operates. It's not the successes that make me closer to God. It's in those times that I need to have a deep, abiding trust and faith in God to depend upon him that the intimacy between me and God begins to grow. You don't remember the family vacations that were fine. You remember the ones that you put the tent up in the wrong place and in comes the rainwater and it gushes and you're like, you know, you remember those. It's that bonding, that intimacy that takes place. My ministry is more powerful today because God didn't do what I wanted him to do 12 years ago. Because when I was weak, I experienced the power of God in a way that I would never have experienced it otherwise. I hope you'll catch this today, guys. What, what if we changed our perspective? This is hard. This is like inside out, upside down teaching in this world. But, but what if instead of, you know, I, I hate these headaches. It's gonna sound kind of corny. Are you ready, Modesto? Are you ready, Tequila? Here we go. Instead of I hate these headaches, I delight in these headaches. I delight in them because they teach me to trust the presence of God in a way that I couldn't have otherwise. How, 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 how do you make it through? How do you make it through those headaches? I don't know. It's the grace of God. I delight in my search for a job right now. You're a weirdo is what you are, right? No, I delight in that because what you don't understand is I've had to depend upon God to provide for me in a way that I cannot provide for myself. He still continues to meet all of my needs. It's God's grace. I I, I get it, guys. I don't mean to make light of anybody's problems, of anybody's circumstances. There There are many who are experiencing some things in your life that you don't like. I've got things in my life that are all messed up right now. If you only knew, I want God to change. I've seen him change some things. I've seen him change some things. But I've also seen that he hasn't changed others. And what I believe is that years from now, with the presence of With the presence of God, I, like you, will look back and I will say, oh, my God, I see what you did. You kept me from becoming 
conceited. You built an intimacy between me and you that I wouldn't have otherwise, or you used this to draw my family closer together. We wouldn't have been so close had this thing not happened. This perspective, it happens over time. Over time. It's called grace. I, I don't know what it is right now. I don't want to play it, play it down at all because I know what you're going through might be more painful than I really could ever imagine. Ever imagine. But what I do know, what I know is that no matter how bad it is in this moment, God is with you. And the goodness of God is even better over time. You see, something that I've learned is just because God doesn't do exactly what I want him to do doesn't make him any less God. He, he's still God. Even when life doesn't feel good, our God is still good. He is always good. He can't be anything but good. We serve and worship a good and faithful God. And so let's pray on this Pentecost Sunday together. Father, we pray right now and you would do a work. Mighty God, I recognize that this isn't a fun message and it makes, makes the feel-good messages sound more attractive. But God, I pray that your word would minister deeply to the hearts and to the minds of your children even now as we seek you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here in Lathrop, in Modesto, in Decula, online, how many of you would say, Troy, there is a thorn in my life right now, something that's really painful, something that's really challenging. Right now, wherever you're at, whatever campus you're at, would you just lift your hand to the Lord and just right now acknowledge there is a thorn in my life, God, and you know what it is. This is my moment of honesty. And Father, I ask that you would do true miracles, that God, you would bring healing, God, restoration, provision, reconciliation, God, that you would do things that we would sit back years from now and we tell stories about. God, you did something miraculous in my life. That could only be God. We also recognize that, God, your ways are higher than our ways, different than our ways. God, in those times that you don't do what we know you can do and think that you should do, I pray that you would do an even deeper work in our lives that your grace right now would be enough. I pray, God, for those who are hurting, sick, confused, those whose lives seem to be on hold. God, I pray that your grace would be enough, that the leaning in of your Holy Spirit would just touch us right now, God, that we could sense that you're right here, that you're with us. And God, at this moment and in this season, that your grace would be all that we need. Again, I pray, maybe a decade later, we'd look back on this, something we never want to endure again, never want to go through again, and something we never ever choose, but we could have the perspective that God, you are good. You took the lowest point of my life, and you actually did something eternal with it. So God, we ask for miracles, and we trust your response, believing that you are always, always good. Please keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. 
at all campuses just, just for a moment. Take just a, another second. There's a little bit more about grace because grace is what changed Paul's life. Some of you are here today. Right in Lathrop, Modesto, Decula or online because you need to experience the grace of our great and mighty God. He is right here, right now with you. He promises to never leave you, to never forsake you. He wants a deep, abiding love relationship with you, with you. You say, you don't know what I've done, where I've been, what I've said, how I acted. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Quit beating yourself up. Receive from me. Turn your life over to me. And get ready for the greatest journey you could imagine. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed at all of our campuses, I'm gonna count to three, and I don't care if you've got five, 15, 50, or 500, in your congregation today. When I get to three, if you're ready to turn your life over to Jesus, recommit your life to the God who gave his life for yours, I want you to lift your hand up with courage and with faith, and we're gonna pray a prayer together. You can't pay for it, you can't earn it, you can't do enough good deeds to outweigh the bad deeds. You just need to receive the free grace of God, the forgiving power found through Jesus Christ. One, come on now, this is your day, this is your moment. It's time to come back into the fold. Two, I'm telling you what, right now something's turning inside of you. You got a battle going on within, trying to keep you from God's best. Don't let the devil defeat you. Are you ready? Three, put your hand up. Modesto, put your hand up. Tequila, put your hand up. Right here in Lathrop, put your hand up. We're giving our lives to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith today. Hallelujah. Something Something's gonna break. Something's gonna break in your life today. Pray this prayer with me right now, wherever you're at, out loud. Say it with courage. Dear Jesus, come on, I wanna hear you. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and change my life. I confess that you are Lord of all. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now I put my trust and my faith in you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, are you there? And his answer is always, was always, and always will be, I am right here. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest. And may he give you peace. Amen. And amen. And amen. Hallelujah. 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 God bless you. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap tonight. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord.